0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right, this is pretty incredible. Richard Sherman has actually cried uncle. And we have the audio of him backtracking on the whole Baker Mayfield thing. We're going to do it coming up at 1130. Before that, at 1120, we're going to have our buddy Kevin Dunn on of the Horn down there in Austin, their sports radio station. We're going to do a different thing each day to get you ready for the huge Texas OU game that's going on this Saturday. So lots of great college football, lots of good pro football, but let's get into this conversation. We love doing rankings and power rankings. Mike Sando over the athletic is the guy that brought you the multiple, multiple tier system where we evaluate, evaluate quarterbacks. He gets every GM to weigh in. And, you know, that was where we determined that going into the season, GMs thought Dak was a high tier three quarterback. Some people had him as a Tier 2, but most people had him as a Tier 3, so he was at the top of the Tier 3 list. Well, what if we take some of this uh, same application and put it towards wide receivers? Where is Amari Cooper? And here with more on that is Tizzle.
2: Very interesting because he's asking, once again, coaches and GMs and things like that. Uh, Before we get to the specific, you know, where they're at on the rankings and things like that, what makes a number one wide receiver? What what determines that? We always say that we we say oh he's an
1: ace. Or okay, he's let me a ask you one. this. Let me ask you this. Do you have an answer? Or are you asking what me I've got and some ben answers? Think? Yeah, both. Because to me, it is a guy, a number one receiver. Just putting it in its most simplest terms. You know how like they'll say what is an ace? They'll say it's a guy that you can hand the ball to and he'll end a losing streak. Like that almost mm-hmm. always ends up being the definition. To me, a wide receiver is a guy that the vast majority of the time beat single coverage and you have to put a safety on
3: him. I like that. Yeah, I, I agree. A, a number one receiver, somebody that requires a lot of extra defensive attention. It's a guy who requires game planning from the opposition. We got to figure out a way to stop this guy consistently over a thousand yards receiving over eight touchdowns a year. Um, and um, yeah, if he's single covered, he's going to eat your lunch. And so to to me, it's that's, that's basically that's probably a good rough definition.
2: Yeah, I think you guys both kind of nailed it. Here's what four GMs said. Okay. One said double gotta have to you have to double cover the guy the whole game. Mm-hmm. One GM said he's gotta be a guy that can beat both man coverage and zone coverage. Okay. Yeah. Um one guy said he's gotta be a guy who can make contested catches. Where if we're in a bind, we're gonna throw it to you and he's gonna go get it no matter what. Mm-hmm. One guy said he's gotta win on the perimeter while also showing the speed and explosiveness to play inside in the slot. So I think those are very interesting. How different teams may think about the wide receiver position.
1: Boy, that third definition you gave is real similar to the ace definition. Sure, we're in a tight jam. He's going to get the ball and save us.
2: All right. So here is the number one wide receivers. They start out with tier one. Tier one is the superhuman division. Ah, all right. I like that. This is and and this is the the order that it's that's in. Julio Jones, number one, still. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm okay with that. Are you guys?
1: Yeah
3: okay with that i mean look we're we're splitting hairs at this point yep
2: yeah and it says julio's lined up in the
1: slot 19 percent of the time the last three years can i ask you a question how many uh superhuman do they have three is deandre hopkins one of them odell beckham is next okay
2: mm-hmm. can't Ty- argue
1: tyreek hill there, okay
2: and he's in the slot almost 40 percent of the time okay um and then they move on to the human
3: division. Okay. The so
2: three in the top tier. All right. Next tier.
1: Human's not a good name for this. DeAndre issue. Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah, they could have done better with the naming.
2: It's disrespectful
3: to DeAndre Hopkins. He's got two 1,500-yard seasons.
1: Yeah, and they also just basically put him in the same category as us because we're all humans as well. It's it's not a good name.
2: Um, One GM or an offensive coach said about DeAndre Hopkins, there are different types of number ones. Randy Moss was not a good route runner, and everyone knew it, but he was a one. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I feel about DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's interesting. Next, Michael Thomas. Hold on.
1: To me, Randy Moss is a lot more like Julio. Just Agreed. being the big giant guy, yeah. That, you know, I mean, Hopkins
2: is kind of that way too, though. He's kind of lanky, you know. Julio's still massive, yeah. You know, like he's, Rand, he's Randy a Moss
1: was like six five, bro.
2: Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, what's DeAndre Hopkins six two? He's six three. Is he okay? He's, oh, 6'1". They gave him six one. Sorry, yeah. yeah. I didn't think he was uh, on that level
1: of tall dude.
2: Michael Thomas next. Michael Thomas, okay, in that second division, and then Mike Evans. Yeah, knew he'd be in the mix. You kind of make the argument that Chris Godwin's been playing better at Tampa Bay than Mike Evans has. They throw to Chris Godwin all the time.
1: All right? That's because Mike Evans has seven dudes on him.
2: Now, this third group is called number one wide receivers, if you say so. Oh! And, uh, <laughs> this is where Amari is. Seventh overall, Amari Cooper. Yep. 6-1, 225. In the slot 20% of the time the last three years. Uh, here's what is uh, kind of written about him. One GM said, last year threw me off. When they were shopping him, you start looking at what's going on, and I think John Gruden got in his head. I think the guy is a, uh, number one. Another GM said, I would say he is a 1A. I think he's got good explosiveness. I don't think he's as strong or explosive as Hopkins, Julio, Antonio Brown. He's not like that. Those guys are on a different level to me than Amari Cooper.
1: Okay, have you guys been paying attention to the Jeff Cavanaugh criticism of him?
3: Yeah, and it's fair. I mean, he's basically saying if you don't hit him right in the bread basket, it's not a guarantee. He's talking about his catch radius. Yeah. Yes.
1: And uh and sometimes that happens with uh you know guys that aren't of the 63 to 65 variety. The one thing I I don't know about going in there and evaluating all these individual guys that are ahead of him, but I do know from what we've seen, he is a brilliant route runner. Yeah. I mean, he has oh, yeah. never seen better in my life. He might be better than all those other guys as route runners. We don't know. I don't know that. But it could be that that's what puts him up there without having the great size and all that stuff is the fact that he is just so precise. The
2: release off the line, too. I mean, it's just... it's He and Devontae Adams are very similar, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the way they are able to get free. If someone wants to get in your face and you know chuck you at the line of scrimmage, it's like, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to torch you if that happens. I mean, look... Jair Alexander is going to be a really good corner in this league for a long time. And Omari Cooper torched him all day long on Sunday.
1: I'm so interested. All day. Uh, it really started when we were reading all those articles last summer about Luka Doncic's athletic ability being compared to James Harden. Mm-hmm. And I am so interested. You know, we've always measured the 40 time and the vertical and cones and all these different things. I am so interested in the aspect of athletic ability measured by balance. Because Mm -hmm. I would assume that precise route running, when you're going that fast and can quote-unquote turn on a dime, that has to do with mastery of balance and starting and stopping. And that is an amazing ability that I feel like hasn't really entered the whole athletic discussion lexicon until the last two or three years or so. As we look at... New ways of analyzing these types of athleticism.
2: So you look at Amari Cooper; he is a he's a one. We all agree he's a he's a one. Yeah, all right. I think whatever so. level of a one, whatever. We agree he's a one. Do we all agree that Michael Gallup? And I know he just got hurt, but do we all agree that that's a clear two? And I think we're so. good moving forward because we went for years with Terrence Williams as your two. I mean, right. I know Cole Beasley was the slot guy, but right. I mean the way that he was viewed in the offense, Terrence Williams was the two,
3: and it was really. Your tight end was your two, right? It was one of those teams. Um, So, uh, yeah, but Michael Gallup for sure is a two. I also think maybe he has the upside at some point. Maybe he could become a number one.
1: I I like the way you said that. My evaluation of him at this point, maybe it's not fair. My evaluation is that I at least believe he's already better than T. Will, and I don't even know Mm -hmm. that it's close. T. Will had great speed and really good size, but we know what his limitations were. I feel like Gallup has more just receiver qualities, right?
2: And and I think they play off each other pretty well. I think they complement each other. And, and Gallup's still improving at this. But Gallup was the number one at Colorado. Gallup was never the type who's just going to blow past you all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he would go get contested catches, and we're seeing him do that. You know, those tough, tough ball. You know, the, the Kevin King thing jumps out from Sunday just because, like, he was just assaulted off the line, and that ball should have never been thrown. But, you know, he's done a really good job of getting his body a little bit bigger and has been stronger through the route. You'll see him win more on the outside and things like that. Romari, you can do so much with Romari, with crossers over the middle and the slant route and and just finding a way no matter what to to just get open, get a
1: lot of separation. Gallup can win without getting a lot of separation. Dude, when healthy, I can't tell you how much I love the combination of Cooper, Gallup, and Cobb. And then when you have that established, I really like Jarwin too. Not that I sit here and I think of Jarwin on that crazy elite level, but he's tall. He's a really good athlete. He's got the ability to make catches. When the when the Cowboys are healthy, I feel great about Dak's targets. I, I do, too. And
2: if y'all want to have a little fun, though, Cobb's here on a one-year, $5 million deal. Okay. Would you guys be comfortable? Let's, let's assume that we're picking in the 20s, okay, NFL draft. 32, bro. You guys okay going – slot wide receiver type guy yes. yeah first round you guys okay uh, with going wide receiver in the first round oh no not in the first round not in the
3: first round I think they definitely need to address it they need to yeah. find that guy but you know look when they and it's not going to be caught there's things I like about Cobb but just look at the um look at the Saints game you know when Cooper was locked up nobody else was getting open um I, I like him as a complimentary piece, but I I, I don't want to. He's getting up there in age; he can't stay healthy. It's time to move on. But this team has drastic needs on the defensive line. Like they needed, they need defensive tackles. Yeah, badly. You know, what,
1: you know what? I'd be okay with Ben if it was the right guy. That you go. Oh my God! Are we really going to get this guy at twenty four? I'd be okay with it. But then I think they need to really zero in on bringing in somebody like Sue for a year. Like if they could get the same way they got Cobb. If they could get a suit type next year, I'd be okay with it. If, but only if it's like, not if it's like, hey, we think this is going to be a pretty good slot. More of like, can't believe this guy is here. We kind of yeah. got to grab him, right? So I, I love th- this player,
2: um, and I think we all have you know a lot of mutual respect for the guy. But a guy who I'm not, I, I'm, I'm kind of giving him the old Sean Lee treatment. I'm not building my team around counting on him. Is now Tyrone Crawford. So Tyron Crawford would come back next year. He would have a nine million dollar cap hit. You would save eight million if you cut him. You would save eight million on the cap. You would have a million of dead money. I would have a million of dead money before I had a nine million dollar cap hit on Tyron Crawford if his hips are still jacked up and he doesn't play much going forward. Now this year will tell us a lot about that, right? And, and what your doctors think. But let's let's work under the assumption that Robert Quinn's not here next year, and let's work under the assumption that Randall Cobb's not here next year.
3: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think we should do that. I also think uh, Randy Gregory, we should have been, you know, I thought he was going to be back. They've gone super stealth quiet. That is not good. Whatever's going on with him, you know, at this point, just trying to read everything, I don't know anything. I'm just, I would say this is problematic. He should have already been back. We're not hearing a peep out of that camp. So if Robert Quinn's not back and you don't have Randy Gregory, Defensive I mean, end have,
2: seems like a, a now, draft need, doesn't now it? Now you
3: have massive defensive need, uh, end needs and defensive tackle needs.
2: I started to think about that. I mean, I'm like, in my head, I don't know. I'm not trying to cut Tyron Crawford today. I'm not doing that. I well, think I'm, he's I'm, talk, cra- I'm talking about next year and projecting yeah. draft needs. But then in my head, I'm also going, is Dorrance Armstrong going to be my
1: starting right end next year? Is that what well, we're doing? I, I wouldn't be surprised if Quinn comes back. And I also think that Crawford is the kind of guy that'll be back here on the Sean Lee plan. I agree. Like I, I hundred percent agree. I think he loves being here now. And, and the reason I'm saying that we're all basing this on what his first five weeks have been like and what his offseason is mm-hmm. like. We're talking about an injured guy. So if this look if Tyrone Crawford suddenly starts feeling great again and then surges, then someone will give him more money than the Cowboys would. Yeah. But you know when you get into that world, it's it's the kind of thing is like, hey, Tyrone, you know, based on your availability and the injury, you know that we're not going to pay you this much, sure. but we want you here. And I, I think he's the kind of guy that would that would go down for that. But if some other team is going, hey, we'll pay you $3 million more, dude, he's got to go take that. That's just the way it goes. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, no. uh, great stuff. Great study, KT. All right, so Ben and Skin Show. It's 105.3 The Fan. Thanks for rolling with us today. Got so much good stuff still to go. But, Ben, let's get ready for... Texas OU, baby, and let's do it with our buddy Kevin Dunn from the Horn down there in Austin. We'll talk college football next on The Fan. This
3: is the Bennett Skin Show 105.3 The Fan. Don't forget, we're at Pluckers tomorrow, and we'll be at Pluckers in Dallas. We'd love for you to come have lunch with us. And joining us now is another one of our brothers from the Pluckers family. Now, he is one of the most talented radio hosts in all the land from the Horn in Austin. Here's our good buddy Kevin Dunn. How you doing, Kevin?
4: Man, I'm doing great. Nice intro. I love it. Uh, thank you, Skin.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know it. Okay. Hey, uh, listen. We got to die. And by the way, that was me giving you. That was Ben giving you the Oh, that was Ben. I'm sorry. The, the I'm red...
4: sorry. I'm, man, I'm, I, it's already been one of those. Kevin, ben, hold so on, though. I apologize. Ben was
1: reading the intro I handed him, yeah. so you knew the words. <laughs> right. right.
4: He
3: scripted oh, that. Uh, he really did. No, we're good, and uh, we I'm love morning. you. We love having you on the show, and, and really... Nobody better when it comes to Texas Longhorn football. So, just kind of let us know how high should the Texas Longhorn fan base's expectations be going in going into Texas OU?
4: Probably not as high as a lot of the fans here in Austin are um, as they as they make the trip up I thirty five. So, I mean, look, I would keep it I would keep it relatively low. Um, You know, the overview. I think we've talked about this. The 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 big perspective on Texas football is really good right now, but. They're so banged up, you know. I think if Jalen Green, their best cornerback, and then Caden Stearns, one of their best defensive backs, if those guys were playing in this game, and if they rematch this thing in the Big 12 Championship, then my guess is that, or you know, we'll see if those guys are playing. Then Texas would have a much better chance. They can win this game because we still have to find out a lot of things about OU. But I'd keep the expectations a little bit lower than some Texas fans may have it for this weekend.
1: Man, uh, I am so blown away with I haven't seen every game, but I've seen you know th- at least three of them. And the whole emergence of DuVernay being like this badass receiver. I, I, did you realize going into the season that he was going to be as dynamic of a weapon for the Horns as he's become?
4: No. No, I didn't. Um, he, he got a lot better last year. DuVernay's kind of funny because he he's a guy, you know, he originally signed with Baylor, and then Baylor was having all those issues. But he was a track guy, so I thought he was going to be – the equivalent of like a KD cannon and and really just you know blow the cover off the top of a defense and run a nine route and that's about it and probably not have great hands and be a track guy he was actually he was the complete opposite he was really stiff when he came in and and he didn't look nearly as fast or as quick as what you would have thought he would have been but he hasn't dropped a pass in 2 years he's got he's got incredible hands and this really last year, he started to get a lot more comfortable. You saw chemistry with Duvernay and also Sam. And this year, he's just taking it to another level. But, you know, a long answer for your question, no, I, I, I did not see this coming at all.
3: Okay, so is there a war of words going on? Because it looks like uh, Samuel Cosme uh, was, you know, the Texas uh, offensive tackle is is talking a little bit of trash about the Oklahoma defensive line. He, I guess, he was asked about him, and he said, "I couldn't say they're super special, but they're good players. They're solid players, but not anything to worry about too much." Give us some context there. How, what should we? How should we take that?
4: Um, that's a good question. Um. You know, he's talking about Neville Gallimore and then also Ronnie Perkins. And, look, Alex Grinch has done a nice job with his defense. I think last year uh, we talked around this time, and, and I said, I think Texas is going to win this game because Mike Stoops it was so awful as a defensive coordinator. I mean, they couldn't been lined up defensively last year. Well, Grinch has them lining up this year, and he's done a really good job with his front. And those are the front uh, guys right there. Gallimore's a nose guard. He's had a really good year. Um, Cosme's a better player than both of them. Sam probably shouldn't be talking that much. What he's saying is pretty accurate, though.
1: Kevin, uh, you've done sports talk for years. You know this bit. I'm going to make you do it now. The Longhorns will win if what, and the Longhorns will lose if what?
4: Well, since I've been doing it for a little while, the Longhorns will win if they score more. No, 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 I'm not going to give you guys that. I, <laughs> I
1: did that with the Cowboys last
4: week. <laughs> the Longhorns will win if, if they can dominate time of possession and force three turnovers or more. The Longhorns will lose if they, if they're minus in turnovers, if they've got more turnovers than Oklahoma. They're going to lose this game, and also if they can't protect Sam. I mean, Sam's going to have to be completely clean in this game. A lot of the way, and to get back to how Texas wins, they win this thing if they really just dominate time of possession, have long drives, keep Jalen Hurts off the field, and finish with six.
3: All right, we are talking to our buddy Kevin Dunn with the Horn in Austin, getting some perspective, heading into Texas OU Man, I am really embarrassed for Texas with this horns down thing. And I can't imagine that most Longhorn fans are really on board with this. But I guess uh, Oklahoma, they're now saying, hey, we're not going to do it. We're not going to do the horns down. And we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want any penalties.
1: That offends
4: <laughs> me, Ben.
3: Who is who is offended by this? What the hell is this?
4: Well, I was, I was about to say, I mean, I have not... I've yet to meet a Texas fan who agrees with this. So I've actually been pretty proud and not embarrassed of Texas fans because I've not met one that's like, you know, this is a pretty good idea. You know, I mean, it's not like it's soft enough already in 2019. We need to make sure. No, I mean, I, I haven't met anyone who wants who wants this. I mean, it, it's, it's college athletics. Have some fun.
1: Well, Kevin, we appreciate you, man. We always love having you on the show. Uh, I think we're all – hoping for the same outcome. I know it'll make your week better next week. Uh have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.
4: Hey guys, thanks so much. Anytime.
1: There he goes. Kevin Dunn. He's great. He's really great dude. Uh and uh, uh the uh he's spreading the pl- pluckers love there in Austin. He's yep. kind of our pluckers homie. Yep. All right. Um so let's get into this Richard Sherman stuff, shall we? Ben, I thought you did a great job. You're killing the Richard Sherman, Baker, Mayfield beat yesterday. <laughs> you had all the updates. Richard Sherman has gone on the air now. Uh, what is his show? The Pat McAfee pat show. Pat McAfee show on the zone. Is that the DAZN? punter or the former punter? Yeah, yeah. The, the big personality. Yeah, yeah funny guy. I'm breaking news that he has a show. Uh, so we have several <laughs> Richard Sherman clips here. The first one. Let's listen to what triggered
5: him. When we walked up for captains, like you, you know, I walk up, I you know, shake up, you know, give a pat on the back to, to just about everybody. You know, it's kind of kind of how how I do it, and you know how I see it. And as I'm walking up to him, you know what I mean? He's the next person in line. He's kind of just standing back with his hands down. And I'm like, you know, and it's happening. It's happening faster than you think it's happening. You know, it's football. Everything, you all, you always think everything's happening slow-mo. So, you know, he doesn't he doesn't take a step. He doesn't look to move up. So I put my hand out, you know, just out of courtesy. Like, and he gives me a little, little, little petty, little, you know, slap on the hand. And. I took it as disrespect because the way he was standing back, like he wasn't, he wasn't walking up and approaching like everybody else. So I was like, okay. And I already felt some type of way at the beginning. So it kind of reinforced what I, what I felt. So once we, once we got done with that, you know, they, they call it and he just turns and runs off. I say, okay, okay. This kind of day it's going to be. <laughs> all right. And that's a Super long way
3: for me. All right. This is, look, he said a lot there. First of all, I, I I really like Richard Sherman. I think he's a super smart guy. I do too. I find him to be very likable. Uh, and a lot of people don't, but I, I do. I think he's really smart. Now, he said, "I going into it, I felt some type of way. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that that can go. hurt any of us. If you go into a situation with preconceived notions, a lot of times it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. This
1: yep. movie's going to suck, bro. Well,
3: then the movie's going to suck, right? You mold
1: it to fit your expectations.
3: You, he's going into it thinking, ah, oh, this guy's a douchebag. Oh, my God, look, he's not even stepping up to shake my hand. Well, if you watch the video, he
1: had a... Yeah, right. He had already stepped up. Yeah.
3: He was he was already stepped up to that point. And so I don't think Baker Mayfield did anything wrong here. And then for Richard Sherman to come out and say, oh, he didn't shake my hand. I mean, that, that keep in mind, that story he told there with Pat McAfee is different than what he spread all over the place, that Baker was a douche because he didn't shake his hand.
1: Okay, now, Ben, think about this. Think about the kind of day Baker was having yesterday when all this story was breaking. Because I never saw. Did Baker ever comment on any of this? Did you guys ever? I see didn't even see, see anything. Didn't see. Uh-uh. Pretty okay. impressive but that he never did. Today
2: may be his first media availability. That's
1: true. I think he's been in. Well, Richard Sherman didn't have media availability, but can't, he kind of had to go out there and.
2: Most teams have Tuesday off, and Wednesday's their first day. But so, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, right. he
1: played in the same game that yeah, Baker played in. Yeah. So listen to this. This is him saying, you know, I didn't really mean to pile on the man's terrible day.
5: No, I, I didn't. That's why people were like, you made it such a big deal. I really didn't. Oh, I really didn't. I really, I didn't bring it up in a press conference. I didn't bring it up in no, you know, in no huge live interview. But Uh we were talking in the conversation, and it and and it came up in the midst of a conversation about a a number of things. And and sure, it might have like sometimes you remember things a little differently than it happened. And that's honestly, it still motivated me the same way. So so when I saw the replay, I was like. Mm, that's different than I remember it, but, but in, in real time, it hyped me up and got me ready for a ball game, and that's all I needed.
1: Oh, my God. Pretty great. I had created a completely different narrative in my own head, and I was living that narrative. Oh, my God. When I saw it, it was different than I remembered. All right. Uh, Wait for this next one. We got, is this the uh, motivation? Yeah, we need
5: to listen to both these next ones.
1: Okay, so here he is. He's looking for motivation with all of this.
5: No, what are you looking for? Oh, Oh, sorry. I don't know if I was necessarily looking for it, but but you're always happy to find it. You know what I mean? You're always you're always like, oh yeah, there it is. You know what I mean? It's football. It's 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 a rah rah um, environment. So if you find motivation where you where you can, and and if you can find it in a, in, in a coin toss handshake, then there you go.
1: There there is that, that is kind of interesting to me though, because I always think about like mentalities before the game starts, and then what they're like after the game. You know, there was like just some legendary series in every sport where it's a bloodbath. I mean, dude, look at what they do at the end of a of a hockey series. Yeah. I mean, those guys yeah. are trying to destroy each other physically. They want you to be injured and have to leave the series. Right. And then it's just they're hugging it out when it's all over.
3: Look, Sherman. Sherman is guilty here of trashing Baker Mayfield unnecessarily. I agree. And when the video rolled out and didn't support what he was saying... Because the first story was he didn't shake my hand at all. Wow, Baker didn't shake hands. That's that is unprofessional. Damn you, Baker! Oh wait, there's the video. He is shaking hands. Okay, well Richard he did shake hands. Well, but not the second time. Okay, the second time. Let's, okay, so he should have shaken your hands twice in thirty seconds. And then so you watch the second time after the coin flip. Not all the guys did shake hands. Some of the guys took off and ran. Also, okay, oh, okay, yeah, my bad. You know what? I may have made some of this up. You trashed a guy publicly. You told lies. About a guy. And then you just, to his credit, at least, he went on the radio and goes,
1: man, I may have made some of that up. Okay, well, that leads us up to, Ben, the apology. And before we get to this apology, I would like to uh, laud you for your reporting on this story yesterday. I think you will get an Edward R. Murrow reporting award. Yes! I don't know if that exists, but you should get it. I'll take it. At least a macaroni. A macaroni, because I enjoyed the Mm -hmm. reporting yesterday, and everything that you did on this beat led... To Richard Sherman issuing this apology
5: oh it's gonna be a bit of both you know I, it's definitely my bad you know I you know I never want anybody to have to deal with some shit that I mean some stuff that they didn't yeah. that they didn't do you know and so you know the the, the questions that he's gonna get and the annoying nonsense questions about um, some stuff that happened in a game that's already been done you know sure he'll get an apology for that um, I'll probably reach out to him to be a text or, or um, social media to, to actually get a hold of him and talk to him in person. I mean, on the phone. But, um, what? um yeah, because yeah, that, that sucks. But first off, that was a great name y'all came up with. Like, Dapgate? <laughs> <laughs> I was crying laughing. What? But, yeah, yeah, he definitely deserves an apology, and that, that's my bad on, on that.
1: There are like fifty people in there. Yeah, God, I did wow. not know he had a late night talk show. That was amazing. The zone is on the rise, everyone. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the zone whole is coming. Team Nobody's got there. that bumper Man, sticker. I did. What did he say at the beginning? I
3: did. <laughs> Certainly don't want anyone have to deal with something that they did not do. <laughs>
1: Some s. Okay, so the AutoFlex Leasing <laughs> fan text is always there for you to chime in eight seven seven eight eight one one zero five three, and this is this is what Richard Sherman is basically saying. This guy texted in. You know and I know, Ben and Skin, that Baker Mayfield is an a-hole and he deserves everything he got. Really? Well, th- I'm not saying I agree with that, but what that guy's sending in is basically what Richard Sherman is saying. That's the situation that he walked into. It's that perception, and Baker's brought this on himself. If you're going to be wrestling villain, you can't get all butt hurt when people are mad at the wrestling villains. Oh, wait, like, wait,
3: wait, wait. The thought was he deserves what he got. What he got were lies told about him.
1: No, I know, but what, but no, I, I understand what you're saying. But what, what, what Richard Sherman is saying is, I went into this ready to hate this guy because of everything he's projected. It comes with the territory. And so when you project all that out, it comes back to you. Oh my God.
3: I just watched the replay behind it. That's fine. But this is what Richard Sherman brought into it. That's his baggage. Mayfield didn't bring any of that. Mayfield is standing up there. He reaches out, shakes Sherman's hand. Sherman just walks right by him. But he brought so many preconceived notions into that. That it was soiled from the get-go. No, I agree, Ben. I mean, Martin, but who? who Yeah, I, I hear, hear what, what you're saying.
1: Notions are what Baker's putting out into the universe.
3: That's fine, but that's not his fault. He, what he did there was not his fault. That was 100 on Richard Sherman. I agree. Richard Sherman went out and lied about him. Yes, and then said, "Man, I may have made some of that up." Right. He goes, "It's football. It happens really fast." No, it's a handshake. No, you're it's right. not football. You're not in the middle of a play. It's a handshake at midfield, and it. Dude, that was all fabricated, all made up, and all
1: about preconceived notions. This guy's going to be a jerk. You know what? I'm going to say he was a jerk to me. All right, coming up next, we have some amazing sports audio to sift through, including, good God, did Boog really say that on national television? We'll get into that next right here on The Fan. Here with a sports <laughs> audio drive through is Kevin. Yeah, I'd like to order up a combo number nine here, Shippy, with fries.
2: Ooh. Brett Favre goes on the Peter King podcast, tells a story about the fart machine? If you guys remember the old remote control fart machine, oh, this yeah. is awesome.
6: I, and I say this braggingly, had a fart machine and had four farts on it. So I had a fart machine with a remote control, <laughs> Leland J. Rimmel. He was the PR director, a longtime PR director for the Packers. Lee, how you doing today? I'm doing uh, most certainly well. Oh, great, Lee. <laughs> what a weird dude. But I loved it. So we played the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. Halloween night, it was awful, awful weather. We were loading the first bus. I always sat with our strength coach. I sat down by him. Lee always came in, he set a couple of seats up from us. And Holmgren always sat in the very front right. Nobody ever said a word on the bus, which was perfect. No one needed to say a word. So Lee puts his bag under his, his seat. I slipped that remote control uh, module deal thing right on top of his bag. And I show Kent the remote control. He's trying his best not to laugh. And so we're going over to Soldier Soldier Field. The wind's howling. It's raining. And I hit that machine. And you hear, <laughs> and you <laughs> could literally hear a pin drop. <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But the first and foremost was that Lee Rimmel's got the farts and he doesn't know it. <laughs> so I hit the fart number two and it's like, <laughs> and but Mike Holmgren was sitting in the front right, and he's doing this. He was laughing so hard, that he would, I mean, it was all he could. It was the funniest damn thing ever. <laughs> oh, that's great. Pretty great.
2: Really great. That's uh, kind of dad humor, 1997 dad <laughs> humor, <hear>. too. <laughs>
1: The fart machine. And dude, right it. after right after you you're you're really lucky if when it fires off the fart machine, it triggers the bass on the wall to turn and sing, take me
3: to the river.
6: <laughs> I hit fart number two and it's like <laughs> 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 It's so great.
3: It's so great because I can't hear him talk anymore without thinking of him that one
1: interview where he had all the drops.
3: The screens, the Short accuracy. Screens. Yeah. I like when he
1: said "down the field." <laughs> he just ran he... out of he ran out of routes and said "down the field." But
3: can he continue this? <laughs> um, and I love hearing a guy go, "Yeah, I had a fart machine." <laughs> it had. <laughs> It had four farts on it. <laughs> it's so great. He's 50 now. In that
2: interview, he did talk about how he's starting to notice memory loss and things like that. Maybe oh, that's everyone at 50, no. but hey. he's had concussions and things like that. He was talking about that. At least we he can really still remember the fart right machine. Oh, my God. Just don't forget that, and you're all good. Yep. Shippy, let's go. Let's get a combo number one. I'd like to get a side of Ooh. onion rings with this one. This is, is like from. that value size? Yeah, I'm late, late to this, but this is Booger on Monday Night Football. Um, he's there. They showed this, uh, basically mic'd up Richard Sherman montage thing. And at one point, Richard Sherman says, get freaky with it to D Ford. All right. Well, and I didn't play it cause you can you can't hear it very well. Well, here's Booger explaining to everyone on national TV, what get freaky with it means. Oh,
5: oh. let's break down with America. What get freaky with it means. It means whatever play you're making, continue to make it at a high level. I.e., get freaky with it. What? I don't know if that's the
2: definition. I don't, that.
3: I don't think that's really the definition. <laughs> Guys, what it means is uh, syrup is involved. I don't understand. <laughs> okay. I, I, uh, yeah, I don't understand. Can I, uh, I'm going to a dictionary low. to
1: find out. Wait, can, hey. I,
5: can I hear that again? So, wait. so I
1: can hear the nerdy way in which he thinks he's actually doing something.
5: Let's break down with America what get freaky with it means. It means whatever play you're making...
3: Continue to make it at a high level, i.e. Mm. get freaky with it. Do you remember that song? I want to get freaky with you. Mm. So really it's a mm. I want to do it at a high performance level with <laughs> oh, <man>. you. <laughs> and keep it going and doing it at a high level. I was
1: like, high level? What is he talking about? Did what he think high that, level? Did he think that he was real worried That maybe they said something shocking on the air and he had to nerd out and cover (laughs) it up. (laughs) It's very strange. So someone needs to have the whole hit and run speech with him. Hey, if you really think it's bad, you're making it worse. But it's not
3: bad. (laughs) From the windows to the wall, it means basically the the square footage of a room. If you do hashtag... (laughs)
1: Mesquite, mesquite, (laughs) mesquite.
3: If you do hashtag (laughs) Booger McFarland
2: on Twitter, you will run into everyone just trashing
1: him.
3: It's, it's not a, a worst good, broadcast. It's that not it a was. good
1: moment for him, it's really. Good luck for Witten, though.
3: Yeah. It's a good
2: look for Witten. Witten <laughs> is shining right now. <laughs> so I didn't watch all of this, but I did browse through it. This was the HBO series. You know, they're doing the no hard knocks take on mm-hmm. college football. Mm-hmm. And is this a different combo, the, meal? The program this week is a 24-7. Uh it's called 24 7. It's the Florida Gators. We talked yesterday about the Florida Gators. Uh, Dan Mullen, their head coach. Dax old coach at Mississippi State. Great Golden State now, Warrior Now, before player. we get into a little bit of Dan Mullen, Shippy, I'm going to order up a combo number four here. Oh. They focused in on strength coach Nick Savage. Now, the strength coach, uh, you know, I, I, you, you can imagine a meathead, but he's constantly, I don't know if you guys. <laughs> the strength coach? He's constantly in your face and yelling at you. So every time you hear him, Know that he's about two feet away from a player and know that it's also seven in the morning. Okay, here's Nick Savage, the Florida strength coach.
5: Let's go! 15! Hey, let's go train again.
6: (laughs) Hey, Clifford, how you doing? Ready to go train? Hey, Emery, how you doing?
3: Muscle is not gained quietly in Gainesville, not with Nick Savage. The team's director of strength and conditioning
0: in charge at the gym.
6: Hey, hey, locked in. Like a second workout a week. Make your hand, two minds ready to go. Freddie, touch them up. break them down. Let's ride. I love developing young men, and they're only going to match what I put in front of them. So if I'm slow, <laughs> they will be tired. Hey, Chester, come on,
5: man. Look look little excited. You're going to get pumped up. That tattoo is going to be 3D tonight, baby.
1: God, <laughs> so, so G- he's, didn't know. He, he's Rex Kwon
6: right? He looks like yes.
2: Bradley Cooper in a Wedding Crashers.
6: Uh-huh. You know, okay, he's yep. all jacked
2: up, and he's like playing football, and he's doing bicycle kicks. So you know what? It reminded <laughs> me of. It reminded me of Shippy. This will be combo platter uh in this drive thru It'll be combo platter number six. Oh, that one turned. Do you guys into a remember the Saturday Night Live character that Will Ferrell did when he was a news reporter, but he had the talking loud disease? No Okay So it's Will Ferrell's character called the Loud Talker And that's what this guy reminded me of The Loud Talker reporter Oh right 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 I have an example of that for you
6: Our relations with China have long been shaped By a tug of war between economic interests And political ideology
5: Your voice My voice You're shouting
6: How dare you (laughs) I have a voice related medical condition I'm very sorry I suffer from voice modulation, Tina. I'm unable to control the pitch or volume of my voice. Numerous prominent Americans suffer from this debilitating disease, Tina. Including the guy who played Raj on What's Happening <laughs> tennis great Pete Sampras. Jacob, I've heard Pete Sampras speak and he doesn't shout all the time. Pete Sampras has low-grade voice modulation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the That's guy awkward. that always
2: talks like this. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to go lift weights anymore. I just want to quit uh, football.
1: So, you know, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, as I was listening to that, I pictured Rex Quando in those American flag pants. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Totally, man. And, And dude, if you're going to create a character that's in your face, (laughs) weightlift guy, you're going to name that character Nick Savage. There's another clip where (laughs) he's in the morning and it's
2: 7 a.m. and they're going to lift and he's got an air horn and he's out front just going,
1: beep, 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 (laughs) beep.
5: You ready to go train?
1: You ready to go train? <laughs> I'm in on Will uh, Farrell uh-huh. as Nick Savage. Yeah. <laughs> I would watch that all day. Now, guys, as you no! know,
2: I spend a lot of time browsing every local newscast in the entire nation. Oh, that's mm-hmm. tedious. To find the best news bloopers. And it's uh, you know it's October 9th, but I found the greatest news bloopers from the month of September. Okay. Mm. We've got a couple of them here I wanted to throw at you guys. Sometimes you're just reading a uh, you know a teleprompter. All the time. The word you're trying to, to read, perhaps, or this news lady was trying to read, was prescribes. She was trying to read out prescribes. That'll be cut seven, Shippy.
0: He's used the clinic for the last five years. He said it is difficult for him to even walk without the opioids that his doctor prescribes. Prescribes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, prescribes. And then uh, lastly, guys, let's uh, end it with a bang. Um, So this lady is doing the weather, right? Prescribers. No. And uh, she's got a graphic on, and the graphic says it's 13 days until the autumn equinox. okay? Okay. 13 days away from fall, but she's describing how warm it still is, and here's what happened. And it's
1: t-shirt weather today. Hot dog. Grab your t-shirts. Maybe even a bathing suit today. So I know we are only 13 days away from the official fart. So what just came out of my mouth from the official start to fall this morning? 13 days away. I really, I I'm, I'm, i don't know what came. Ignore that. Just we're going to chug on through this. Okay. Chug. Chug. What came out? Oh, listen. She farted right when she said start. So I was thinking a lot about uh, Groundhog's Day. With uh, Poxitani Phil. Yeah. From the official farts. Think about the whole community gathering around to see when fall's going to start and the official fart signals. (laughs) (laughs) And then fall starts as soon as somebody's on a platform and they fart and everyone goes, yeah! And then fall begins. (laughs) Farve's in the corner hitting a fart machine button. All right. Uh, great job, Kevin. Uh, well done. Coming up next, what is everybody going to do if the Cowboys lose to these
0: a-holes on Sunday?
1: Oh, my God. There's going to be panic. We'll I explore part
6: number two, and it's
1: uh, like... Hold on, Brett. We'll
3: explore it next.
0: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.